0: Recovering from a Financially Devastating Divorce Through Alternative Investments with Chris Odegaard from the TheProlificInvestor.net on episode number 206 of the Beyond Adversity podcast
1: with Dr. Brad Miller. It just was one thing after another that that led me down this path of learning and growing. And I can actually I actually wrote an article where I kinda I, I I did kind of a family tree of all the different people and things that I met. And and on one side you have time, on the one on the other hand you have net worth growth, which which went five point six times over this, you know, nine year period. And so every time somebody said, Hey, you should try something or you should listen to this or you should read that, I said, Okay. Wow. Hi there,
0: this is Ty Morgan from InfinitePlanning.org, where I financially and emotionally support families that are not given options and help them to find a way to financial freedom. With Dr. Miller, we're here to help you find a way to beyond adversity, to your life of peace, prosperity,
1: and purpose on the Beyond Adversity podcast.
0: Good people, and welcome to the Beyond Adversity podcast with Dr. Brad Miller. The podcast where we help you to grow through what you go through, navigating adversity in your life, crushing adversity to achieve success. I am Dr. Brad Miller. So pleased and privileged to have you with me here on episode number two hundred six. We're going to be talking to a great author and leader, Chris Odegaard, about from the prolific investor Net Here at Beyond Adversity, we're all about helping you to deal with adverse life conditions. You can go to our website, drbradmiller.com slash 40 Day Way to find out more about the sponsor of our program, which is the 40 Day Way Coaching and Leadership Program, which will help you to create your Promise life plan, a process to get you unstuck and have freedom in your life. At drbradmiller.com, we have over 200 episodes of this podcast designed to help you. One One way we can help you is when we deal with devastation in our life, including the financial impact. Let me ask you something. Financially, do you have much money in savings? What's the situation with your 401k or your pension plan? Statistically... A third of Americans have zero money in savings and less than $10,000 in retirement savings. They live paycheck to paycheck. They are not ready for retirement. Chris Odegaard, who was actually cooking along pretty good in his life. He was an executive with Boeing Aircraft, doing pretty well, raising his family, things coming along on track to be as an employee, to have a good, safe retirement. Then a devastating event happened. It happens to a lot of us, divorce. And in his case, his divorce was devastating, not only emotionally and in the family life, but financially, it ruined him financially. And he found himself in a situation where he was in subsistence, paycheck to paycheck living. In fact, he described his life kind of like the old Saturday Night Live skit with Chris Farley, but the guy in the van down by the river. Then he had a seminal moment, a transitional uh, uh, aha moment, which transformed things for him. In our conversation today, you're going to learn about his emotional highs and lows, his devastation, and the process he learned through alternative investments in order to recover and to have now financial freedom, which allows him to have the opportunity, the resources in order to have freedom in his life and to work on his spiritual life, his family life, his emotional life, and all those things. If you've had financial devastation in your life through divorce or any other situation in life, then this is an interview for you to pay attention to. When we come back from the other side of the interview, we're going to learn specifically what you can do through alternative investments in order to speak to any financial circumstances that you have in your life. Right now, it is a pleasure to welcome Chris Odegaard, TheProlificInvestor.net to Beyond Adversity. Let's get into that interview right now. Our guest today is Chris Odegaard. He has a story of having some success and some challenges in his life. And he has some lessons to teach us in the area of investing. His website is The Prolific Investor. And his book is Get Off Your Ass and Manage Your Money, Why You Need Alternative Investments investments. We Welcome to the podcast today, Chris. Chris Autegaard. Hey, Brad. Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. Looking forward to Should it. Should be awesome. Thank you so much for joining us and for sharing with our audience some of your your insights. You were, in your life, kind of cooking along okay in the corporate world and doing okay, and then ran into some, some challenges in life, and you kind of had to make some some pivots. So tell us a little bit about your story, some of the things you had to face, and then how you will take it from there.
1: Yeah, well I was you know, I was raised if you've ever read Robert Kiyosaki's Cashflow Quadrant, I was raised in a family of ease, employees, and that's all that's all I knew. You you went to school, you got a college education, you got a job, and you worked for the man and hopefully you had a pension and a four hundred one K. And so that's what I knew and that's what I did. And it was going about as well as that path goes for anybody until about my mid forties. And then my adversity was at the end of my nineteen year marriage, which probably hits all on about three of your, you know, divorce, depression, and debt or finances, and I don't know that I did very well with the depression and the divorce part of it, but I managed to come out pretty good on the finances. I lost fifty-five percent of all my assets and thousands of dollars a month in cash flow because of the divorce, and of course it it could be a you know people have those kind of situations for all kinds of reasons. Mine just happened to be a divorce. And I changed the way I invested and moved from conventional investments, stocks, funds, and mutual funds over to alternatives, which is pretty much everything that's not publicly traded. And lo and behold, nine years later, I had made up that 55% and multiplied it many times over. And I did what I affectionately call fired the man, and I never have to work again if I don't want to. So,
0: and we'll I want to get into some of the details of that in just a second here, but just the reality is whether you know we especially the last few years we've had a time when people have been challenged not only in their relationships but also in their financial situations. Businesses have closed or shifted in all kinds of ways and therefore peoples and you know in the last 10 years or so we have had several ups and downs of the market and things of of that nature so people have uh, lost their fortunes or filed their fortunes or had devastation and certainly divorce is one of those things that can just knock people on their rear end financially among other things but to my knowledge when you have issues in life, whether it's uh, mental health issues, emotional relationship issues, if you got financial problems, it just magnifies them. Don't, don't you think? If uh, whatever issues you have, if you oh. don't have money, if, you, if you're struggling there, it just compounds them. Do you
1: agree? I, I totally agree. And you know, there's uh, Americans have some weird concepts about money. You know, people will say, "Well, money can't buy you happiness." And I remember Zig Ziglar saying, "Well, you know, money can't buy you happiness, but neither can poverty." You know, so if you can take You know that one thing off the table, it makes a lot of things easier, and you can do incredible things with money. Whatever that may be, life is just easier with it than without it. So I agree completely that if you add that into the mix of other problems, it's just a a huge multiplier in a negative way.
0: If you're obsessed with money, then you you know you 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 have a value system that's not complete, and yet there are people who can be obsessed with money who have no money, right? You know you can be poor, and you can be the you can be the person who's standing in line at the convenience. Store trying to get the hit the big time on the lottery ticket, and that's your financial plan. You're still obsessed with money, but you don't have any. What you're sharing here is that you can have prosperity in your life and still have, you know, so you keep your values and keep, keep things right side up in other aspects of your life. You believe that's the case? Yeah.
1: And it's not the, yeah. And it's not, you know, I mean, nobody. I don't think this way. Nobody loves mm-hmm. money. You know, you hold a piece of paper in your hand, it's what money can do for you or what you can do with money for yourself and for your family in your community. There was a study one time that I read that said, you know, up to a certain point, and I, I don't know what the exact number is, but up until a certain point, let's just call it $75,000. Every dollar that you make, you know, up to $75,000 proportionally increases your quality of life and your happiness. But once you get beyond a certain dollar point, you know, there's no direct correlationship anymore. Most of your things are, are taken care of and happiness doesn't grow, uh, you know, proportionally above seventy five thousand dollars or whatever so what
0: i'm hearing you say and i have heard that said before as well chris is that you're kind of your basic you know to use maslow's hierarchy thing your basic needs are met you know your food and your shelter and your transportation are basically at a certain level and after that it's you're you're just kind of adding to it you're expanding things and so but they they do matter it does it does matter and i i've been privileged to uh Travel in some pretty poor areas of the, the world, have done some mission work in some pretty bad areas of the world, including in our country, in terms of their economic deals and their 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 situations, and seen people in just abject poverty, still have a good attitude, but I've also seen some people who have a lot who are pretty miserable. So, what I want to talk to you about here today is how we can kind of turn things around in our financial picture and start to move things, and still maintain a little integrity to still have some value driven things in our life. And so I'm interested here, you mentioned how you set aside some kind of traditional aspects of financing, and you went to some alternative matters of investment and so on. So let's talk specifically for a few minutes, Chris, about where you were when you were kind of at your worst place. And what were some of the actions that you took? I have a real action bias and what I like to teach. What are some of the actions that you took mm-hmm. to turn things
1: around? So I was like most Americans, a conventional investor, stocks, bonds, and mutual funds through 40K. That's where I was. And... Over the history of the S&P 500, the average annual return of the S&P 500 is somewhere around 9.8%. But studies have been done and investors only get somewhere less than 6%. In today's inflationary environment, if you're only making 6% annual returns on your investment, you're not even keeping up you know maintaining buying power so i switched to alternatives which is pretty much everything that's not publicly traded i mean that could be you know anything from you know real estate to precious metals and and all aspect of real estate pri- private shares of small businesses but i guess in terms of 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 action you know there are a bunch, there are, there were a, a handful of things that kind of happened to me and i think the thing i could as i look back at it is that i continued to say yes to everything that kind of kind of came across my path around the time that i got divorced a friend of mine his name's bill he said chris there's this book you ought to read and I bought the book and I promptly set it on my nightstand and it sat there way too longer than it should have. But the book was Robert Kiyosaki's Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And like millions of others, I read that book and I was inspired to move investing in a different direction. And then one day – so I read that book. I was really excited and I was sitting in my – what I call the van by the – my van down by the river post divorce <laughs> condo if you've ever seen the yeah, the, Night Live, the chris farley thing Night is living
0: in a van down by the river right, right. and he's the yeah. and he's what the inspirational speaker <laughs> the motivational, motivational speaker, speaker who is you know speaker,
1: right? homeless basically yeah <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Yeah. So I was living in that kind of a situation and an ad came on the radio and it was it was Robert Kiyosaki's company and they were having a free seminar some week. And I was like, okay, I got to go to that. I registered for that. And the day that I was to drive 25 miles north to go to this thing, my my. My car wouldn't start. I, I have a thing for a certain vintage of pickup trucks. It's a 92 F-150. I still had it, but that day it wouldn't start. And so I, I managed to find a, a rental car company that would drop a car off. This was way before Uber existed. And I managed to get to that that seminar and there were others. And, and there was, it just it okay. just kept going. Just stop here just for a
0: second. That's funny, see did. that you were really motivated sure. to do this because a lot of people, when the car wouldn't start, they would say, okay, that's it. You know, I'm just saying that would be in a store. Yeah. But you – really wanted it. So I think that kind of goes to motivation oh, yeah. that leads to the action. So I'm sorry to hit the pause button there on you, but I wanted to touch on that.
1: Yeah. And, and then they talked about, well, going to what's called a REIA, which stands for Real Estate Investor Association. And these are just real estate investment clubs all over the country. And there's one in just about every town. I said, okay, well, they said I should do that. I'll go do that. And from that point, I started to meet people you know, and I I met a guy and he said, Hey, Chris, would you like to work with me? And we could do some things together. And he said, you should listen to the real estate guys podcast. And my first question was, what's a podcast? (laughs) And this would, you know, this was quite a, quite a while back. I mean, and so I, I figured out what a podcast was and got it on my phone and I started listening to that. And, and it just was one thing after another, um, that that led me down this path of learning and growing, and I can actually I actually wrote an article where I kind of I, I I did kind of a family tree of all the different people and things that I met, and and on one side you have time on the one on the other hand you have net worth growth, which which went five point six times over this you know nine year period, and so every time somebody said hey you should try something or you should listen to this or you should read that I said okay,
0: wow. so here's what a couple of things I heard. In what you're saying there in terms of your action points here, Chris, help me out if you see if I'm I'm right or wrong here. You were you were motivated a little bit by your pain that you felt. You know, you'd gone through the divorce and you were be you know, were way behind in your finances, you're in the hole there. You're motivated by that, but there was also some emotional elements going on here, I take it. You read the book, you mm-hmm. somebody suggested you read the book, you read Kiyosaki's book and you went to a seminar and you started meeting and networking with people. Is that some of the things that you did there? Mm-hmm.
1: Yep. And then you applied what you learned, right? Yes, I did. I tried, you know, I tried a whole, you know, I went down a whole bunch of different investing paths and most of them were paths where I thought, you know, I tried that. I never want to do that again. That doesn't suit me. And, and, you know, today I'm at the place where after going down all these dead ends, I finally found the kind of the, 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 the alternative investments that I like and work best for me and my time and my skill set so and you know there might be another thing in there that you know people have said to me well Chris if you we're still married. Would you be where you are today? And I thought about that. And my ex-wife was one of the types of people, if I said, if I, I said, Hey, hey, I just read this Robert Kiyosaki book, look at all this, this stuff that he talks about, you know, she would have told me the 50, 53 things that could possibly go wrong. <laughs> so she kind of reigned on the parade. And, and not only did I have all these new people coming into my life, but I had kind of this, in one way, a, a, a mental boat anger anchor removed from my life as well.
0: Yeah, it's interesting how we um, have this yin and yang in terms of relationships. And, you know, there's, I think there are seasons for certain relationships and there's sometimes people just don't get it. And sometimes we do need to listen to people who come from a really pragmatic standpoint, but there comes times for a leap of faith. And I'm going to go with you here, maybe a little different place here, but it seems to me you had some fortuitous relationships happen and you went with your gut, your intuition, you did some things. Do you think there is any aspect of this, Chris? And if you don't have to answer, if you're not comfortable about it, it was kind of a bigger than yourself type of thing, whatever you want to say, a God thing Um, or a connection
1: bigger than yourself that was going on here. Yeah, I I do think about that. Um, You know, my, my friend, recommending this book, you know, the ad coming on the radio, the car not starting. I I, I do think
0: about mm-hmm. that, yes. Because I think there's something to be said here, you know, in terms of being a good listener and a discerner of what higher power does say to us. In my particular case, I'm a Christian and I believe in God, and I believe that if we, I sometimes call those holy moments or God moments, when you kind of listen and even you don't feel comfortable with it, and if you do it anyhow, most time, many times it works out, out well. We need to be a good, good listener there as well. But I, w- I want to go with you just for a second about these relationships that you began to generate here as well. Because it sounds like these relationships you were generating both interpersonally and the people in the real estate world and other aspects and, and kind of alternative financing and also virtually or or kind of mentorship stuff. To, I'm talking about the books and tapes and the events you're going to. Tell me about how that some momentum or some energy was generated by developing this kind of new set of relationships and how has that helped you in terms of succeeding yourself and maybe teaching others? Well... <laughs>
1: I'll, I'll, give you an, I'll give you an example. Uh, so th- through some of this networking, I, I met. I've met I, I joined some investment kind of mastermind groups, and one of the guys said to me, "And, and as, a, as a conventional investor, most people have a lot of their money wrapped up in their employer's mm-hmm. 401k. So and, and that's stocks, bonds, a mutual fund. So if you decide, hey, I want to go start acquiring rental real estate, or or you know, precious metals, or shares of private businesses." You typically can't do that because your money is locked inside these plans and you can't move it because there's all kinds of restrictions and they only let you invest in, in a handful of things. And this this guy who ran this group said to me, hey, Chris, can you do an in-service transfer with your employer's 401k? And like the podcast, I said, what's an in-service transfer? And he said, well, that's where your employer will let you take money and move it out of their 401k plan, that administrator, and move it to an outside administrator. And we can move it someplace where you can invest that 401k money in real estate. And at this point, I had worked for my employer for probably 25 years. And I kind of went, if that was if that was possible, certainly I would have heard about that before. And so, you know, I go up on my married business and kind of push that off to the side. And then one day, I checked into it, and I'll be darned. My employer would would let me transfer out all of their matching contributions over the years, which was in the six figure number, and that gave me a a jump start on moving in the investing direction. And so, you know, I kind of say you need to have a childlike curiosity, and when something sounds like it might be too good to be true, if I had walked away from all those. You know those ideas that were brought to me that sounded too good to be true. I would have left a ton of money on the table and wouldn't be where I am today. So those type of things. And you, would, you wouldn't have known um, about have that if you weren't in
0: this network of people and to kind of make you aware of it and you're learning from different ways rather than the kind of the traditional way. And and that's uh, that's awesome that you're able to do that. Just curious, are you still an employed person now, or are you on your own? Are you self-employed?
1: No, I'm 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 semi-retired. I you know, I write my blog and try to educate people about how to improve their financial situation, you know. So yeah, I, I don't work for anybody. My my schedule's my
0: own. <laughs> you made these changes here and you took some action, you made some changes and you were being in the net network and made some shifts over. And I want to talk to you in a minute about, you know, some specifics about investments here, about how you, when you shift some money over, but let's talk about, about disciplines now, but I like to call this the cognitive part to help we apply things. So what are some disciplines maybe that you do now that you didn't do before? Maybe you teach in your book and so on. Some disciplines or, um, habits, rituals, things like this, people can do
1: to be helpful in their life. So the the one that's a kind of a recent newcomer and it doesn't apply, it applies to anything. There was a, there's a book called The One Thing and it was written by, co-written by Gary Keller, who started Keller Williams Real Estate. And I actually Heard an interview with a co-author on the podcast. And before I even read the book, I was impacted and started doing. And I have heard many people say that to-do lists are just a waste of time. And, you know, you really need to, that, that just, you really need to schedule things. So he said, you know, every day you need to work on the one thing. And I have an action item list that's probably 20 20 things long. And every day, five of them get knocked off. And some of them are important. Some of them are art. But without even looking at that list, I already know what the one thing is. So, And I know probably what the second one thing is after that. So that has really increased my productivity by not spending time on the what i call the administrative administrative bs and really just going the one thing is the thing that's going to make everything that you're trying to do easier or even eliminate some things that you were going to do or thought you needed to do, so that's one of the things, and I guess another one is just continuous learning you know i I think people are, are designed for you know productivity and improvement and it's interesting that so many people leave formal education, whether that be high school or some level of college, and then you know their their learning is kind of over, and even if they do learn. They wouldn't consider the tens of thousands of dollars or even more than that that I spent on seminars and training classes. They wouldn't consider that real education because it doesn't come with a diploma from some university. But I never would have learned the stuff that I learned. It's not yeah. taught in right. any university.
0: Learn certain things in school. You
1: learn how to apply them <laughs> in seminars and other things like that. Yeah. So, yeah. Now, that's not true. I have to say, you know, that's not true with all, you know, degrees. If you're going to be a medical doctor or a counselor or a lawyer, there's some places where that college education is very, very specific and you need that. But that's kind of not most of the, the thing case. is you
0: can certainly get your degrees, medical degrees. You know, I got a doctoral degree on the wall behind me here from the work I've done, but you certainly don't have to stop learning and you can apply, even if you have formal education, you can apply non-formal education to your life to enhance everything, uh, I believe. And and you just don't stop learning. I, I believe that you learn. And also you learn from all kinds of folks and situations, you know, you can you know, I have learned from my I learned from the 16 year old kid who's out shoveling my driveway right now, being a little bit of an entrepreneur, making some money because yeah, I'm in the at right. seven inch snowfall where I had here yesterday. Yeah. And, you know, learning from him just a little bit about some financial being a go getter and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Sure. Let's talk about your book a little bit now and about what people can learn in your book. And particularly, I'm interested here, Chris, and how what you teach can serve others, particularly if someone is kind of wanting to break the pattern in their life. If somebody is kind of wanting to not invest conventionally, or they want to have some creative ways of doing this, they want to make a dent in their life. Maybe that somebody, you know, you said you're semi-retired, I'm semi-retired as well. Maybe someone who's approaching retirement is thinking they're they're looking at that K or they're looking at that pension plan, they're going, okay, that's okay. But man, I would like to do a lot, a lot better. Or they're in a situation where. They have medical expenses or they have a kid in college, whatever it is. I'm okay, but I could do a lot better. So what are folks going to learn in your book?
1: How are you serving others with your book here? So, I mean, if if you there are there are numerous statistics out there about the financial health of the country, and I'll just give you a couple, you know. 34% Thirty-four percent of Americans have zero in sa- savings. Sixty-nine percent have less than ten thousand. You know, forty-six percent of Americans have zero retirement savings. So you don't have to go very far to see that the average American's finances is just not mm-hmm. good at all. And 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 everybody has subscribed to this what I call the four hundred one k path of mediocrity to invest through your for, your employer's four hundred one k, and then someday you're going to have this big this big mountain of money but it's with the, with the average investor earning somewhere under 6% before taxes and inflation they're just never going to get there. And so in the alternative world it's it's common to routinely to get annual returns above 20% before you even consider the tax advantages that some of these investments come with. And so in the book I um I try to show people the difference between the conventional investments and the alternatives. And I've created, you mentioned Maslow's hierarchy of needs. I created something called the prolific investors hierarchy of investors, where I have the conventional investments down in the shadow of the pyramid. And then once you get on the pyramid, there are all these different types of alternative investments. And I compare the conventional investments against alternatives in 13 different categories. And the alternatives are better in 11 of the 13 categories. And so I go, why would anybody uh, be on this 401k highway to mediocrity because it's so, so inferior in 11 of these 13 different ways? And I give ex- real life examples. I give real life examples of investments that I do and how they perform, so th- so that I'm not just using some kind of, you know, kind of a, a book research kind of thing. Look, here's an example, and, and I use and I and I use that example across all these different categories and show how the alternatives mm-hmm. are better. And let's be specific on some of the alternatives right now.
0: You're talking about real estate and some other things as well. What are some of the alternatives that are out there?
1: So everything that's not publicly traded. So that's all that's every category of real estate, you know, single family, multifamily, you know, apartments, warehouse centers, um, precious metals, cryptocurrency, you know, business equipment. One of my investments is ATM machines. I own ATM machines and I make, you know, make money on every month on those. And you, you could be a private lender. And believe it or not, a, a a specifically type of cash value life insurance is what I believe should be the foundation of every serious investor's portfolio. And, and, and in there, you didn't hear any stocks, bonds, mutual funds, ETFs.
0: All the stuff that would normally be in your 401k or in your pension plan, that kind of thing. I'm not hearing you go on there so much. And yet, and it sounds like this is not just you know, theoretical or not just an academic exercise. It's out of your life and in the life of people you've... Encountered and, and that 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 type of thing, so it is you know a, a hot topic in lots of ways. But you mentioned crypto, and I know there's NFTs out there and that type of thing. Just give us your take on you know it seems like a very volatile thing to do. I'm involved with that a little bit, and but what's your take on that to help people to understand that aspect? Some people have a basic handle of real estate and some other things like that. I'd like your take on those.
1: My, I like to invest in things that are mostly relatively stable. So you know, just yesterday, you know, the Dow was down 400 points, and there's 24-7 talking heads about what's happening with the stock market, how much it went down, what the earnings per share was. And, and you know what? The ATM machines that I own and the apartment buildings that I own, they just keep putting money in my bank account every month. And does the value of them go up or down? I don't know. Maybe it does. Maybe it doesn't. But it doesn't make any difference to me that the only time the price of the asset matters is when you buy it or when Mm -hmm. you sell it. And because my investments produce cash flow, I don't – like stocks, funds, and mutual funds, I don't have to sell a piece of my portfolio to generate cash. I have an asset that's growing in value and generating cash. And it's pretty
0: steady and and reliable, Uh, I assume, from your apartments and from your uh, ATM machines and so on.
1: Yes, exactly. And so I I look at that and I go God, these poor people that are you know they're 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 watching this stuff and wondering about their return it, it, It's it's an anxiety producing way to invest. But sorry, you got, you mentioned crypto, so I like to I like to invest since things are relatively stable for the most part. And you know, day trading and buying and selling all kinds of these different altcoins is not investing; it's mm-hmm. speculating and it's a job. And as soon as you stop trading, you stop making money. So that's not investing. And there's nothing wrong with that. People can do that. And I I piddled around with some of the altcoins for a while, and then I kind of stopped. And I'm very bullish on Bitcoin, that it is it is here and it's going to be kind of change the yes. world in a lot of different ways. And so every, every Monday I buy a set dollar amount of Bitcoin, regardless of the price. And so I, I just think it's, you know, it's kind of like the advent of the internet. It's, it's something, it's a life-changing kind of thing, I believe. So we'll, we'll see.
0: I do as well. I've had some experience with that, but, but I'm hearing you say something I find very interesting. And I think it can be applicable to our audience who's looking to break out of adverse life conditions. You have a system And then you're trying to avoid speculation and you're more about investing and to kind of put the nuances of those terminologies out there. You're investing with kind of a thinking process here and uh, with a plan, a strategy in terms of just speculation. And I, I love that. So, yeah.
1: You know, you know everybody should have an investment criteria because there are so many things to invest in, right? I mean, you could drive yourself—it's the shiny object syndrome, you know. So everybody should have an investment, an investment criteria. So here's mine: is something like this. I like, I like appreciating assets that have a built-in tax advantage in the case of real estate, that's depreciation and that I can use leverage on. In other words, I can borrow money against and provide a decent ROI somewhere north of 15%. So, but I do also, but then there's a couple of exceptions. Well, sometimes you got to take a small amount of your money and swing for the fences, yeah. the, the, you know, the home run, the, and, and that would be, you know, the Bitcoin, or maybe I do some small publicly traded stocks or some pre- IPO type stocks with, with small amounts of money because, you know, one of those it hits, it's not going to take a lot of money to make a big difference in your life, but it could also go to zero. So you have to do that in a measured fashion.
0: Let me ask you this, Chris, about risk tolerance and that type of thing. Let's just say that there's a person or a situation who comes to you with basically this kind of deal. Chris, I love what you're saying. It makes a lot of sense to me, but I don't have any money. I, I don't, you know, all my money is wrapped up in my 401k or my pension plan or, my, you know, I'm out of, you know, there's too much month at the end of my money. How am I going to save this money? What is, realistically, Chris, what does somebody need to find? What does somebody, can somebody get started in the things you're talking about for a minimal amount of money? I mean, $1,000, $300, a couple thousand, whatever it would be. Can you really legitimately do that? Or what? Just give me your kind of your scenario on this. So that person who says I can't do this because you don't have
1: you can. And we we all have to we all have to start where we are, right? So if I if I was going back to my twenties when I first came across the four hundred one k. And if I had known back then what I know now, I wouldn't have put a dime in the traditional pre tax IRA. Well, give me, let me get real estate has got such a, it seems like it's a really high barrier to entry. And when you own rental real estate, you've pretty much, especially if you're managing it yourself, you've pretty much taken on another job. So there are what are called turnkey housing providers across the country. This is a company that works and specializes in a single family rentals in a particular market. And they buy or build houses where the end use is is to go to a landlord. And they also have a property management company and a constructions company. So they go find a house, they buy it, they fix it up, make it durable for renters. They screen the tenants, they put some good quality paying tenants in there, and then they turn around and sell it to you. And all you have to do is show up with your down payment and your bank loan. And now you've got what's called a loaded rental. And, you know, for, you know, in some places of the country, you can buy houses for under $100,000. So a down payment, you could get into some of these houses for, you know – maybe $20,000 or something like that. And, you know, if you didn't have $20,000, you could do it with a friend or or a relative. So, but it, you know, I mean, people start, you know, making these contributions to their 401k, I would say, don't even do those right (laughs) until you can, you know, get to this, this hurdle. So it's possible to do. And the other thing is that we all only, the only money each of us has to invest is the money that exceeds, living expenses. So if you make $70,000 a year and your living expenses are $70,000 a year, you've got non, no money to invest. So everybody needs to be the best at whatever they do. So they're the person that gets the raises, gets their mo- promotion, and the more money that they have above their living expenses, the more the better they're off gonna be. So you gotta focus on what you're currently doing, maximize that, so you've got more money to invest then maximize the investing. And someday, someday you can leave that job behind to do whatever you want.
0: Excellent advice. and Now let's, <laughs> let's apply it more directly to somebody else. One of the things I love to do is see how what you teach can be applied to someone's life and change their life. So been people who have been impacted by your book or by your teaching or by something, you know, a, a network that you're in that you've seen some change happen and tell us about that. So give us kind of a, a,
1: a uh, testimonial about someone who's been influenced by your your DG, your I, I guess. Most recently, I, I, first of all, the reviews of the book are just very flattering. I'm I'm, I'm humble. They're just they're just over the top positive, except for one scathing review. So I'm not <laughs> sure what I did to that guy. But always one you know, in there. Terrible. There's always one. It's all. It's almost like yeah. I don't know. Well, I, I had a I had a guy who worked for the same company that I did and retired, and he took the he took the they you know he had a pension. And he took the lump sum instead of the pension, and he found himself with a whole bunch of money and no cash flow. And so, I've been working with him, you know, on a regular basis to, to try and help him figure the, to help to help figure this out. And we are working through a process to to take all this cash and some home equity and move it into these cash flowing investments. In this case, it's it's apartment syndications, which is my main thing. So we're. We're just, we're just working through that. So again,
0: Um, he's, he's seen some progress in sounds like that's good.
1: Yeah. Yeah. He's just at the very beginning, but he is, he sees what I'm doing and it's not just me, it's other investors and some of these mastermind groups and we're all kind of doing the same thing and we're learning from each other. And I can give you an example. One of the, one of the apartment buildings that I'm a part owner in in Atlanta, Georgia has, is going to sell this year. And I think we've owned it for maybe about three years and the average annual return on that apartment building is twenty-four percent. Hmm. And and there'll be no taxes on that earnings because of the depreciation that came with that apartment building and others. So you look at a twenty-four percent annual return that's tax free compared to the stock market investor who's getting somewhere in the six percent yeah. range. I mean then, it's life changing uh, stuff. It's not comparable. And and it's and it's not and, and, you know, I was going to say, I happen to have seen this apartment building because I was in Atlanta and I went and checked it out. But most of these places I've never seen. You know, I've never seen them. I'll never see them. They're all managed by other people. Well, for Chris, some fascinating things here that we've learned a lot here today
0: on our podcast episode. If folks want to get a hold of you, learn more about your website or about your book or about your Conventional Wisdom Quiz How can
1: people get connected with you and learn more about you or get your book? The website is theprolificinvestor.net. And there's a number of ways you can interact with me there. All the social media links are there. There's some YouTube videos that go along with some of my articles. There's a there's a 10-question conventional wisdom quiz that people can take, and it'll give you my answers versus what your answers were. There's a coffee cup right there on the homepage. And for anybody who wants to you know have a conversation with me about personal financing or investing, they can schedule a free 30-minute virtual coffee with me. I do those on Thursday. So there's a link there, and you can... Pick a, a place on my calendar that works with you. And of course, there's a there's a big flashing star right there that'll that'll link you to an Amazon place where you can get the book. You could go directly to Amazon as well. And you'll get to the book faster if you just type in my name, Chris Odegaard, rather than the title. If you type in the title, it'll, it'll be down there. But if you type Chris Odegaard in, you can find it. Yeah. So the website, the net, is the is the place.
0: We'll put connections to all of that on our website drbradmiller.com. Thank you for being with us today. Some good stuff here from Chris Odegaard, Investor.net. Thank you for being our guest today on the Beyond Adversity podcast. All right. Great to have Chris Odegaard with us on Beyond Adversity. I'm sure you got a lot of great takeaways about his emotional story about recovering from a devastating divorce and the steps in alternative investing that he used to recover and achieve financial freedom. Let's talk a minute about what you can do, how you can apply the lessons learned here today to your life. Let me encourage you to go to his website, theprolificinvestor.net, T H E P R O L I F I C I -N 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 N V E S T O R.net. And there you're going to find information about his book, get off your rear and manage your money. Why you need alternative uh, alternative investments right now. You can find it at Amazon as well. And also on his website. And this is what I really commend to you is his conventional wisdom quiz, which is going to help you assess where you stand right now in your financial health and begin to be on the pathway to financial freedom. However, you got to a place of devastation, it's time to take action to recover from that because you deserve that. Here at the Beyond Adversity podcast, we're all about being helpful to you when whatever adversity you face, including financial difficulties, divorce, depression, disease, uh, even death, uh, morning mourning times that we have, you can do it. We're here to be helpful. We have over 200 episodes at Dr. Brad Miller episode, talking to great experts who can speak into your life. This episode of the Beyond Adversity podcast is brought to you by the 40 Day Way, which is the coaching and leadership program, which will help you to develop your own personal life plan, your PLP, your plan to get you unstuck and to have success in life. You can head over to drbradmiller.com slash 40 Day Way for more information about that. And drbradmiller.com is where we have over 200 episodes of this podcast, which are designed to be helpful to you, to speak to matters of depression, divorce, disease, debt, and death. We're here every week to be helpful to your life. My name is Dr. Brad Miller, here to be helpful. Thank you for joining us today on the Beyond Adversity podcast. We'll see you next time. And until then, remember to do all the good that you can.